Hello and welcome to the Upon Further Review podcast brought to you by Field Street Baptist Church. On this podcast, your host Cody Kitchen sits across the table from Dr. John Hall as he reviews his Sunday sermon from the week before. It's the day, it's Tuesday, Podcast Tuesday, and we are back at you with a new episode. And as always, it's your two favorite people that hasn't changed. Cody and John. Nice here. intro. You like that? I do yeah, like that. Something new. Yeah. So we're talking about your sermon from yes. Sunday. Yes. Uh, titled What You Already Know. Right. In our series of Second Timothy, which I know I've said this already a few times, but it's worth saying again. It's been really good. Thank been you. really rich. And Thank you. Uh, you're, you said this when you started of you didn't realize how profound and applicable it is. And you're right. Yes. It definitely is. And it's been really challenging for my own life and I uh, hope for others as well. And so we'll, we'll be talking about the sermon. And um, as always, before we start, what are some of your first thoughts that came to mind as you prepared the sermon? <laughs> well, I thought this was going to be an easier series than Luke. <laughs> I was wrong. I think uh, what the text revealed to me or reiterated to me was that my responsibility is to in many ways, simply remind people of what they already know. Mm-hmm. Thus, the title of the sermon. That's what came to my mind as I did my initial reading of this text and began the process of thinking through how to deliver the goods. <laughs> so that's what first came to mind. That's good. Yeah, keep it pithy. Yeah, and there was some deep theological truths tucked away in these verses <laughs> go figure and man you did a i thought a great job of handling all that but it just there were so many i feel like every verse you could have done a sermon on <laughs> yeah, right. it was good and uh you speaking of that you talked about kind of right when you got done reading your the the text you said tucked away in these six verses are bits of knowledge you already know correct as you just said and um it was a good reminder in in verse 14 where uh, Paul tells Timothy to remind his church, and you told us on Sunday that the emphasizing that it was also this message was also not only to Timothy but also to the church yes. as a whole of reminding them, and that Timothy's regular practice was to remind the congregation of what they already know. And I just that one word, I just it was crazy of like, man, that's so much true. True, is we need to be reminded of what we already know. Right. What I sometimes, I think I've heard this and I say it all the time, is these elementary truths mm-hmm. that are so simple, but we often forget as we grow um, in Christ. And so it was just a good reminder to, to, to remember, remember those things and be reminded. And you talked about in, in this, this word wrangle that Paul uses in, in verse 14, um, talking about the war of words, the constant strife, um, or the... Uh, perverse disputings, and you're talking about how this speaks to the idea of false teaching. And you talk about, well, why should we not wrangle about the words, and that Paul gives us the two reasons, is it's useless and it leads to the ruin of the hearers. And you used an example of a false teacher, whom you used the example of Joel Osteen, and if you want more info on that, y'all go watch the sermon. Exactly. Um, It was, I thought, a really good application, but... The main point of that is that how many people are being deceived by not only this man's heresy, but even just false teaching in general and right. how it should grieve our hearts. And so my question on that is, knowing how to detect false teaching and what it is, 
what do you, what do we do when we come across a false teacher or do we do anything that's a good question first i would respectfully and prayerfully suggest that the best way to discern false teaching is to know the truth which means you have to open your bible and have in my opinion a systematized way to study the Bible, both devotionally and to just know the Word of God. And I, I, I don't see how there's any substitute for being able to have a discerning mind and heart and keeping your Bible closed. So all of us have to arrive at some approach that gets us in the Word of God, I would say daily. Hmm. Uh, some people, their idea of regular, <laughs> regularly is, you know, once a week when I come to church on Sunday, counting on my Sunday school teacher or the preacher to open up a Bible and guide us through a text. But really, we should be doing that on our own, hmm. in our own times alone with the Lord, which should in- include in a especially centered upon a careful reading of the Bible. So when we encounter that, if you're not, you know, if you're not, um, how should I say it, you're not stout enough or muscular enough in your Mm. knowledge and understanding of the basic principles and teachings of of the Bible, you, you could potentially get swept away and caught up in teaching that sounds true but it's not so I would flee I'd ask lots of questions uh, talk to someone who has a, a number of years studying the Bible mm-hmm. fortunately for us at Field Street we have a ton of older people that have been studying the Bible for decades and they're walking sources of information and they are also tempered by patience and grace in entertaining questions we may have of them regarding what the Bible says. So I, I would, if, if you're not careful, you can get caught up in a, a teaching that isn't, it sounds scriptural, but it isn't, like God helps those who help themselves. <laughs> a lot of people think that that's somewhere in the Bible, and it just simply isn't. Mm. And so we have to, you know, to, in order to know that, you have to know the scripture. Now, none of us know the Bible forwards and backwards. We're all students of the Bible. So uh, I, I would offer, first of all, you have to have a regular, systematized way of going about reading the Bible. And all of us need to be doing that. It doesn't matter if we're in elementary school, junior high, high school, college student, young adult, median adult, senior adult. We all need to be opening the, the Bible. I, I'd say that's the most effective way when we encounter false teaching is, go. what does the Bible say? What does Scripture say? What does God say about this? And that ought to be our default reflexive action when we bump up against false teaching. or sound, That doesn't sound quite right. Dig it out for yourself. Good. Open the Bible and test it uh, according to what the Scripture says. If we can condition ourselves to do that as a response to what we're hearing in the world today, we'd all be a lot better off. Mm -hmm. Our churches would be a a lot more solid and less susceptible to the cultural 
whims of this day and the next day. So that's one idea. I'm sure there are other ideas of how to approach that. Uh, If you're nervous about just get away from it. Turn it off. Stop listening to it. Mm -hmm. Stop reading it. Stop dabbling in things you have no business dabbling into at this point in your spiritual growth uh, trick. Um, You know, like if I I was a, a newborn in Christ, I wouldn't be dabbling in what eschatology or you know i would be i would be i'd start in the gospel of john that's why we always tell new believers uh begin reading develop a love for god's word by reading the gospel of john because you get such a great portrayal of the life of christ john his focus is on the deity of Jesus. Jesus is so unique. He's the Son of God. He's God. He's God incarnate. He's the Word made flesh. I mean, there's so many great uh, identifiers as it relates to Jesus Christ. And then at the end, his statement is, you know, all these things have been written so that you might believe. that Jesus is who he says he is and that by believing, you'll be saved. Start in John. So I, that's where I would start. I, I, I'm always going to tell people, go to the Bible. When you hear something weird, go to the Bible. And if you hear something weird coming out of my mouth in a sermon, mm-hmm. dig it out for yourself. I don't know how many times in 20 years I've said, dig it out for yourself. <laughs> don't take my word for it. Now, I hope people can trust what I'm telling them, and there should be a high level of trust that the, the people in the pew can assume rightly that the preacher's digging it out too, but... You know, my job is just to remind you of what you already know. It's your job to feed yourself. My job is to feed you as well, of course, but in, be- in between the Lord's Day or whenever we come together for Bible teaching, you got to feed yourself. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's too long. No, <laughs> that's good. And you kind of you me- you mentioned this and hinted at it, but we, in today's era, we have anything and everything at the palm of our hands yes. that we can access. And a lot of it is garbage. Mm-hmm. And I think that's for me that you said, you know, to shut it off. And I think that's a lot of it too is filtering either one, once you identify that, yeah, that's not truth, and then filtering it out from there. But even just being very careful about what you believe. Not that you can't listen to it or hear it out what they're saying. Right. But what are we believing and what are we sculpting our our lives around and walking in truth of because I've heard a lot of garbage, especially on social media. Yes. In these ten second bites where it sounds really good mm. but there's no theological truth in it. And yeah. a lot of these people are taking these ten second bites and running with it. Mm-hmm. And um it's just it's not healthy for anybody or anything. No. And so just kinda going off the point that Yeah, no, you you can't you can't build your life on TikTok videos. They're entertaining for sure. sure. But if you're going to build your life, you want to build it on the foundation of God's Word, and you've got to open it. I, I just can't even stress that enough. Yeah. Um, I, I have a time in my day where I read the Bible, <laughs> where I, I read the Bible that isn't necessarily for a sermon preparation step what a concept i know um so right now i'm reading second and third john and then i'm reading a commentary on second and third john and that's my devotional reading so i'm reading the text 
and then reading a commentary on the text, which helps me to better understand the text. Yeah. And the, the value of a commentary is it is especially good commentaries, uh, it keeps us in bounds. We don't chase novel kind of interpretations. If it's novel, then it's probably not correct. (laughs) If you're coming up with a new interpretation of a classic text of Scripture, you're probably wrong. So the commentaries have helped keep me through the years from going out of bounds with what the consensus is regarding Bible scholarship of what that text means. So this is why I say read the Bible for yourself. Don't, Don't take anybody's word for it let that be the the leaping off point maybe in some cases but always you know i'm going to read that for myself yeah you went into your second uh idea of talking about the worseness of shame before god in verse 15 and i'm going to just read it real quickly be diligent to present yourself approved to god as a workman who does not need to be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth and you talked about how the preacher cannot concern himself with pleasing man, but really the only one he needs to please is his master, um, the Lord Jesus Christ, and how there's no task that's more central in the pastoral ministry than the faithful, uh, complete, accurate, and clear preaching of the Word of God. And you talk about why and um, how the counter of the, the disastrous effects of false teaching and why it's so important that he says to be diligent, to be a workman, <laughs> And what that means and to persist as to pursue the approval of God. And you just did a great job of, of going through of why it's so important to be accurate in our, our view of God, but also in, in the way that we preach his word. And so this kind of is a you kind of already answered this question already, um, but it's OK. But kind of going maybe a little deeper of what do you do in your personal life and in your preparation to teach and preach? to make sure that you handle the word correctly. Yeah, thank you for asking that. Well, prayer and then careful reading of the scripture. Uh, Commentaries are very helpful to me. Um, I occasionally will listen to other sermons that have been preached on that particular text. Not often. That's not my go-to preparation step. But I I make sure I, I read broadly on the on reliable commentaries and making sure that I'm in line with hmm. with what is generally the consensus regarding the meaning of a text. Uh, prayer is a big thing. I'm so grateful for people who take the time to pray for me because it, I think it helps me in the study uh, when I'm alone and with a text and with the Lord and trying to put a message together and craft the words so that really being immersing my head in the, the text. Uh, the commentaries are very helpful. Prayers, can't get enough of that. Um, asking for the Holy Spirit's help to understand how to put the words together. And I've, it's, I'm amazed at how many times, gee, almost every time, he helps me put the words together and you know, put the puzzle together so you can get the meaning of the text into the hearts and minds of your listeners. So I think, I think that answers your question. Yeah. But I, I, I'm a big proponent because the, the men that have been models for me were men who spent time in the study. I, I spend a lot of time in the study. 
and I I I relish and enjoy and appreciate the the preparation to preach a message. I I like that. I, I mean it it gets me out of bed in the morning. I I, I look forward to the okay today I'm going to spend this portion of my day in preparation for Sunday's message. I, I like the the disciplines of getting to Sunday and I'm I'm very rote and routine, so those kinds of things help me. But uh, I'm I'm totally at peace being in my study for periods of time. I need long stretches of runway to put messages together. I, I'm not a, I'm not really good at ten minutes here, thirty minutes there, twelve minutes here. A lot of guys are good at that, and I'm almost envious of them in some respects. But in other aspects, I'm grateful. You know, I need chunks of time. I've kind of always been that way, whether it's here at Field Street or other churches I've served, whether it's in a rural community of 500 people versus Cleburne of 30,000 plus. Um, so anyway, I don't know if that answers your question, but that that's kind of where where it's at for me in putting a sermon together. Yeah, The prayer and the time and the word, thinking about it, meditating on it, crafting the words, looking at the sentence structure, the, the author, the recipient, the purpose, the themes, so much it goes into it. It's good. Yeah. You've you've alluded to this before when we've talked, um, just you and I, but I've had a I had a guy that uh, was helping teach a class and was talking about how he always says, I get so nervous and I even f- kind of fearful when I prepare a message. And I remember... <laughs> I was talking to him about it. I said, well, that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about you and I before of how, I mean, I mean, we can use that word fear in a lot of ways, but having that is, should be, you should have a fear of handling God's word correctly because yes. it is God speaking and it is his words and you are being the messenger to his people. Yes. And so I, I always remind my, that self, myself that too. And even I've talked to others of you should be nervous. Mm-hmm as you prepare you should be nervous as you talk to somebody about the word of god because you are you are portraying what god is saying yes you are literally the vocal cord that is coming out and the spirit obviously guides us in conversations all the time thank god Mm -hmm. Um, but a part of that too is god allows us to use our our wisdom that comes from him and comes from his word that he's given us he's given us a brain and and so right a part of that and and i'm repeating what you're saying, but I just think it's so important sometimes to that there should be some sort of nervousness when it comes to you and not to the point of we don't share. Well, I'd rather just not share. Right. You should want to be able to share and wanting to, I think you said this Sunday night that it should be a longing for us to know what God is saying, Mm -hmm. that we should want to do this. We should want to open up his, his word. And so just, I guess, the reiteration of how important that. Yeah. Well, there's, there's really no substitute in the preparation of a sermon for the actual preparation and prayer. I always said to the students at Southwestern when I was teaching there that the the two most com- important components getting ready for Sunday is preparation and, and prayer. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, a, if an NFL quarterback spends a ton of time preparing for a game, how much more should the preacher spend time preparing to be a herald for the king. Mm-hmm. So, uh, good. yeah, it strikes a little bit of anxiety in my heart. But God also gives me a peace 
in the process. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah, for sure. The, finally, you talked about this idea in verse 16 through 19, the waywardness of moving from the truth and how you were telling us that Paul issues yet another command to Timothy um, in verse 16 to avoid the worldly and empty chatter. And obviously it says, because for it will lead to further ungodliness and it spreads like gangrene. And you explained what gangrene was. And so if, again, you want to know what that is, go listen to the <laughs> sermon. But of talking about how it destroys people and, and that imagery of, of what false teaching does and just the destroying the body of Christ. And uh, when you think about that, how vivid, and if you allow yourself to think about it vividly, it's a scary thought to Correct. think about that God's church is, you know, being... <laughs> taken over in a sense it's not but the imagery that paul uses of how important it is to have truth and how the falsehood of things can take over yeah false teaching can really poison a church quick um and it should be scary i think as we just said and and then you talked about how paul was telling timothy about these two men who were drifted from the truth and how he handled that and what he did and one of the things that you said that I really appreciated is that you, you say, and I think it's important to say here, is that nothing can overcome the church, not even the forces of hell. And you reference Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Um, but you, you said the foundation of God, likely a reference to the church, will stand. And that you were talking about how we have a seal, that we are protected, and the symbol of ownership and authenticity, that we belong to God. Um, and because of that, you added this, that as God's people, we should turn away from evil. We should know that it's evil, not of God. And so kind of my question, and again, this is kind of going in the same boat in which we've already talked about, but can you give practical tips on how we can consistently stay in God's word to grow with him in our knowledge of truth? And more, I think this is coming from, because I've heard it said before from people, like, I just... I can't read because I don't understand it or I don't do this. So even like maybe from a practical standpoint of a new believer and even someone maybe that's been in the faith for a while that struggles, quote unquote, with reading, maybe what are some tips of how can they continue to to get God's word to them as they read? Well, the first thing I would say is don't let the perception that Scripture is so complicated that you can't possibly understand it, therefore I'm not going to bother don't let that win out. Goodness. Yeah. If that were the case, none of us would ever study the Bible. Secondly, get a good study Bible. Yeah. The study Bibles are so helpful. Yes, they are. And I consult study Bibles all the time when I'm studying for a sermon or a series of uh, rut or mats or the attributes of God. There is no shame in looking at and owning and using a good study Bible. Come to Sunday school. Hmm. We have some excellent teachers in this church that are very good at preparing a lesson and guiding their classes through a text of Scripture. Um, Come to worship. (laughs) I mean, come on. Uh, (coughs) We're going through major chunks of God's Word in worship. Uh, in the last three years, we've been through Luke. We're now in Second Timothy. 
next year we're going to do Second John and Third John. We're we're in the Bible. Yeah. We're walking through it step by step. Someone's helping you and guiding you through a passage of Scripture to understand it. But the last thing I would ever allow or encourage anyone to do is just, well, I, I can't understand the Bible, therefore I'm not going to bother with it. You know, I mean, give me a break. <laughs> uh, I don't understand fully how to be a husband, but I'm just, I'm giving it a shot. <laughs> I mean, I show up every day, and today I'm going to be a better, you know. Yeah. I, I think we all have a, a, we should make a commitment, if nothing else, to ourselves that we're going to stay at it, keep reading yeah. the Bible. I didn't understand the Bible when I was in the sixth grade. Right. I'm gaining ground by the grace of God and with the Spirit's help to understand more of the Scripture. But I fully anticipate that striving to know the Word of God is going to be a lifetime pursuit. Yeah, I'm grateful for that. Uh, if the Bible could be so easily understood, I mean just easily, without labor and work and staying at it, I'm not sure I'd want to read it. Right. But it does require tenacity and sticking to it striving to understand it mining it keep coming back to its riches so those are i guess practical ways um ask questions ask if you don't know ask yep. find somebody you trust that, that's laboring in god's word and hey can i ask you a question and i don't mean asking questions where you're trying to stump someone mm. you know just to prove you can stump someone anybody can be stumped I mean, hey, I really don't understand this. Can you help me or point me in a direction where I can dig it out so that I may understand it? So I don't know how practical that is. No, that's real practical. Just staying at it. I think half of it's staying with it, showing up, keep doing it. When you don't feel like reading the Bible, read it anyway. When you can't get enough of the Scripture, read it anyway. Good. I'm sure this will scare some people because when we talk about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, people start kind of, you know, moving around a little bit. But <laughs> I think oftentimes we, we, I don't think we do it on purpose, but we downplay the role of the Spirit. And I've often have to remind myself, too, of when there's something I don't understand, ask the question. We should ask anybody, be able to ask somebody that we trust the question, but also asking the Spirit, God, can you just reveal this or can you help me in trying to understand this and for me i mean it hasn't happened where words just get written on a wall i've never had that experience but more as kind of my day moves on (coughs) whether something comes up or whether i hear someone or a conversation starts things kind of oh i remember reading that Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of a study that happens where i believe the spirit reveals things to us all the time if we allow it i agree Mm -hmm. and i've actually had many instances over the 20 years i've been preaching at field street where I'm standing on my feet in front of the congregation preaching a message, hmm. and the Spirit of the living God brings back a recall of something I read months, years, weeks ago. That's good. Like, I, I, I can't explain that. I, I can't explain that supernatural aspect of preaching hmm. that you can't plan for, you can't. I can't even predict when it's going to happen. I just, I, I sometimes I'm like, I can't believe this is, I, I have this thought in my head frequently that I can't believe this is coming out of my mouth. Yeah. 
because I had not planned to say this, and it's coming out articulately, and it's something I read a long time ago, mm. and it's bring, being brought back by the Spirit of God. I, I know it's the Spirit. There's no way I could do it. No way. Yeah. I, I'm ugh, barely a talking monkey sometimes, <laughs> but um, I, I think if we... Ask for God's help to understand his word. I just have to believe that's a prayer he's going to respond to. Now, not necessarily like you want him to or when you want him to, but there have been times I'm like, wow, how did, yeah. I had no idea that was going to come out. Yeah. Anyway, but I, I still think God expects me and certainly other preachers to work and labor, be workmanlike, Absolutely. and work in your study to labor to understand something. And I think when we put in the work, it, it's it, it bubbles over, and then the spirit takes over. And look out, that's good. Yeah. Well, what are some final words as we close? Uh, thank you all for enduring the podcast. We're, we're up to twenty five listeners. Cody told me so. We're on our way to our goal, and. I hope people stay tuned in, a, in just a couple of weeks. I think it's November 26th. We're going to get to that quintessential text where the Bible bears witness of its own inspiration. Mm. It is a remarkable passage of Scripture where God says of his own word that, it, that he's the one that breathed it out. He inspired it. Read ahead, people. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. It'll bless you. That'll be good. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. Yep. Well, now to everyone's favorite segment, or that stupid segment, where we tell you what's stupid. So, John, what's stupid? Well, I bet everybody's experienced this. You know, we've all been excited as residents of Cleburne for the completion of the CTP, the Chisholm Trail Parkway. Well, today, I had to be in Fort Worth this morning for a meeting, and uh, I got behind a, a pickup truck pulling a trailer at a solid between 52, 55 miles per hour. Ouch. The reason I take the CTP, the toll road, is so I can go fast, at least 70, <laughs> the posted speed limit. I just, it makes me a little aggravated as a, as a driver on the road who has a Ford Mustang and likes to go fast sometimes <laughs> when I get behind someone, actually a, a stack of cars all behind this one guy, and he's going about 52 miles an hour. Mm. I'm sorry. I think it's stupid. If you want to do that, do that on I-35. Right. Do that on the back roads. Do it on the county roads. Do it on the farm-to-market roads. Go slow anywhere else except on the toll road. I think it's stupid. And I, I can't stupid. Exactly. I, I think there has to be other people out there who feel the same way. Oh, it's just uh, another, you know, just another and a long list of minor frustrations that we all have to deal with on a regular basis. You know what? This one even deserves some claps. I think. <laughs> I think that's a good one. We all. We I mean, has that happened to you on the toll road? You take it sometimes. Yeah, way too often. Yeah, I take it. I'm like, the reason I take it is less traffic, and you can go at least seventy. Yeah. And- and I got behind a guy today, and he he's driving like he had no care in the world, he, I, like he was oblivious to the eight cars that were stacked up behind him, all waiting to get to the passing lane so we could zip around him. Yeah, I get I get riled up on the road, especially yeah. on a one lane road I like Chisholm Trail. I know it. Yeah, yeah. 
So that's stupid. And there's so many other stupid things in the world. Like all these championship series, Major League Baseball. <laughs> Mark my words, people, they're all going to go seven games. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You were right. You were right. This don't last doubt time. me, man. Don't doubt me. Yeah. Anyway, a lot of stupid things. There's a lot of stupid in this yeah. world. Yeah. Like, I uh, saw people running their sprinklers this week while it was pouring rain. Yeah, nine inches of rain. Well, it was yeah, more than you know, that. Wasn't Fifteen enough. inches of rain, and they're out there sprinkling <laughs> their yards. <laughs> they needed more. Yeah. Like, goodness. And then you gripe because your water bill's so high. Turn your sprinklers off. Aren't you listening to any kind of weather forecast? Get a weather app. You got a smartphone? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why people don't just listen to our podcast. I don't, I don't know. some just solid I, advice. I taste a lot of aggravation would be spared. People would listen to our counsel. Absolutely. Yeah. Turn your sprinklers off, people. No need to have them on right now. <laughs> well, guys, as always, we're so thankful that you take time to listen. And we ask that, as always, you make Christ known by what you say and how you live. Y'all have a great week. Yep. Thank you all for listening, and be sure to subscribe to Upon Further Review so you never miss an episode. If you have any questions, please be sure to reach out to us at info at fieldstreet.com. Thanks for tuning in.